Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. If you've got your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to Mark 3. We're going to camp out there and do about 10 verses here together. And I'm excited to be continuing in our series in Mark. Have y'all enjoyed going through Mark so far? It's been a blast. I mean, what a rich series that we've had together, uh, getting to pair uh, with uh, our podcast that's going on right now. And uh, Jamie gave an amazing message last week entitled The Son of Man is Lord. If you have not had the opportunity to check that out, I encourage you to, to jump online and do so. And this morning, we're going to be continuing uh, in Mark chapter 3. And I've got three different things, three simple things that I want to bring up. They're different themes. And I hope that each one of you can connect with one of them. You may not connect with all three, uh, but I hope you can find yourself in one of them. And I also just want to say here on the front end, sometimes you preach a message and it's like, you're confident that this is for other people. And sometimes you preach a message and you're like, this is for me. All right. So this one's for me this morning. I'm just going to have a conversation here with Jesus and myself. All right. And all of you wonderful people. So uh, let me pray and we'll jump in. Father, I thank you this morning that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. I thank you, Jesus, that you invite us to draw near to you and that there's no one like you. We love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, we're going to pick up in Mark 3, verse 7, and I'm going to read through verse 19, if you want to follow along with me. Scripture says this, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard about all he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Edomia, and the regions across the Jordan and around the Tyrian Sidon. Because of the crowds, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep the people from crowding around him. For he had healed many so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. Whenever the impure spirit saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, you are the son of God. But he gave them strict orders not to tell others about him. Verse 13. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to those he wanted and they came out. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and he might send them out to preach, to have authority to drive out demons. These are the 12 he appointed. Simon to whom he gave the name Peter, James son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To them he gave the name Boanerges, which means sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas the Iscariot, who betrayed him. This is the word of the Lord, and we say? Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Amen. The main thing I have for you this morning is this. Jesus is calling us to make him famous, experience restoration, and respond to the call to be with him. So let's jump in. The first theme from this passage, number one, the fame of Jesus. Turn to someone next to you and say, famous. 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 All right. Verses seven through nine says, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to a lake and a large crowd from Galilee followed. Can I just say Jesus is famous? <laughs> no one rivals Jesus in popularity. He's been drawing crowds for over 2,000 years. And there's literally millions of people who are gathered this morning all across the world just to talk 
about this guy named Jesus. There's no other name more talked about, more Instagram posted, more Google searched than Jesus. But as I was thinking about that, you know, I realized that it's not that just Jesus is famous or Jesus will be famous, but Jesus was famous. He was famous. This passage says that a a crowd was gathered from all over. Scholars speculate whether it was thousands or ten thousands. But what we do know is that the cities that are mentioned here in Mark 3 represent the north, the south, the east, and the west. They were flocking from every direction because Jesus was famous. And you know, fame is not necessarily a bad thing. Jesus was famous, and Jesus actually calls us to not hide our light, but to shine it before others. So fame is not necessarily a bad thing, unless, as Christine Kane put it, the spotlight shining on you becomes brighter than the spotlight shining within you. And then that type of fame can pull you down. And all of us, at some point in our lives, we desire to be in the spotlight. Raise your hand just one time in your life. You're like, I want it, okay? I want the spotlight. Okay, you're the honest people. Everybody else, that's fine, okay? We'll have ministry time after. All right, just kidding, okay? In 2006, a study was done with millennials. And it found that over 15% of millennials, the number one thing that they're looking for in life is their 15 minutes of fame. The one opportunity that they had to be before the camera and before others. The truth is all of us want to be famous. We all want to feel seen and known and loved. The question is, what's our source? What's our source? I remember uh, during COVID, I know when I bring that up, COVID, everybody's like, "Ah, okay. About a year ago, there's this thing called Instagram, if you haven't heard of it. And I had resisted Instagram for a long time until COVID. Because COVID gave me the flexibility to spend a little bit more time on this little device called my iPhone. And so I would pull it out of my pocket during COVID. And finally, one day, I just gave in. I'm like, I'm going to become an Insta-influencer, all right? And this is going to happen, okay? Now, other people had speculated that when you start posting things, you have this desire to, like, see who's following you, see who's liking you. I was like... I'm stronger than that. That's not going to happen, all right? I'm going to be an instant influencer, and that's not going to happen, all right? So I posted a picture, and it took an entire 12 hours sleeping for me to wake up the next morning, and the very first thought on my mind to be, who's following me? Who liked my picture, right? So I jumped on there. I checked it out. I had zero, all right? So there you go. Not a single college student liked any post that I had, all right? So... And the insecurity began to rise up, all right? But as that, I, that was happening, and as I was reflecting on that, I realized that in those moments, and sometimes in my life, I become more obsessed with who's following me than who I'm following, right? And guys, there is no one who deserves our attention like Jesus. Because I've heard it said before, whatever commands the majority of my attention is usually what determines where my heart goes. And true influence in life is not based on how much recognition any of us can get. True influence in life comes from being obsessed with the one who has the name that's above every other name, Jesus Christ. 
And when you're obsessed with him, you just get everything else that you need. It's amazing how that happens. I love how John 4.14 says it. It says, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Anybody feel like they need to drink from a cup this morning that never runs dry? That's never ending? That's an endless well of life? Jesus is that cup. And he's inviting all of us to drink from him this morning. Just a little bit on this idea of fame. Uh, this past uh, weekend, I had the opportunity to go to a dinner where Tim Tebow uh, was the keynote speaker. And uh, anybody heard of Tim Tebow? Okay. Uh, if you don't know who he was, he won the Heisman Trophy uh, back in 2007 with the University of Florida. And uh, Tim Tebow was up on ESPN, you know, millions of people watching. And they said, from this moment on, Tim Tebow, you will be recognized as a Heisman Trophy winner. Wherever you go, that title will be what you will be remembered by. And so Tim Tebow was like, wow, high honor. And they offered him to go anywhere he wanted to in the world as a result of this award. He selected to go to Thailand to go on a mission trip. If you know Tim, he, he's a believer. And when they arrived there in Thailand, Tim said there were thousands of people gathered. And he said, how do we possibly help all these people? And the guy said, well, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to start at the back of the line and we're going to work our way forward and we're just going to share Jesus with every single person. And that's, that's what we're going to do. So they started, they started sharing Jesus with everybody. And this guy comes up to Tim and he's trying to point out to this little boy who's standing down in a ditch. He's covered in mud. He's trying to get to the front of the line to get food. And obviously he's saying, you need to go help this little boy. So Tim begins to walk over to him. And as he starts to walk over, he realizes that the tattered shirt that the boy is wearing is an orange and navy blue jersey with a number 12 on the back of it. And he can make out Tebow on the back. And what Tim Tebow realized as he was standing there in the middle of Thailand at that moment was that this boy had no idea who he was, had no idea what the Heisman Trophy was. And he said, you know what? What really matters in life is not my name or my award. What matters in life is the way I love this kid, the way I value this kid, the way I show him the love of Jesus. Tim Tebow understood that when you invest in eternal things, when you invest in Jesus-centered things, they last forever. So that's number one, Jesus is famous. Number two is this, the healing power of Jesus. Everybody say, Jesus is a healer. Three verses for you. In verse 10, it said, For he healed many, so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. And whenever the impure spirits saw him, they fell down before him and they cried out, You are the Son of God. But he gave them strict orders not to tell others about him. I know this sounds so simple, but I just want to encourage us and say, There is no healer like Jesus Christ. There is no restorer like him. There's no one that can allow the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the lame to walk again. All throughout scripture, we see Jesus as being a healer. But I want to call your attention to that phrase, pushing forward to touch him. Trying to get up next to him so that they could be healed. Have you ever noticed that that's what we do with famous people? We, we just want to touch them. Because we think if we can touch them, 
then there'll be something special about the moment. When I was 10 years old, my dad's here uh, hanging out with me. Uh, he's just in the audience. He's not hanging out with me. But we went to something called the Byron Nelson Championship. Anybody ever been to Byron Nelson? None of you. Okay, two of you. Great. Uh, the Byron Nelson Championship was a golf tournament that took place in Dallas. And there was this golfer by the name of Sergio Garcia. He's still golfing today. But at that time, he was like the Tiger Woods or the Jordan Spieth. Those are golfers, okay? He, he, <laughs> you're like, who are those people? All right. He was like that at that time. And we were at this tournament. And I remember uh, walking uh, up to the practice area. And a guy told me, he said, if you stand at a certain place, I've heard that Sergio Garcia will reach out and give you a fist bump. And at 10 years old, I thought, I, I, will hung, I will have hung the moon if I get a fist bump from Sergio Garcia, all right? So here I am. I come up, and I, I, all the kids are lined up. I mean, they know this is the moment. He's coming off the practice range, getting ready to go to the first tee box. And sure enough, he locks eyes with me. And I'm like, are you, are you looking at me? Like, is it, are you looking at me? He's like, yeah. I, well, he didn't say yeah, but he was looking at me, all right? And so he, he starts walking towards me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my goodness, all right? And he walks right up to me. He takes my ball cap off, re reaches in his pocket, grabs a Sharpie, signs it Sergio Garcia, puts the cap back on my head, gives me a fist bump, walks off to the first tee. Woo! And all the kids are like, oh! And I'm like, yeah! You know, and, and I am pumped, man, because I got the Sergio Garcia fist bump, all right? And at 10 years old, I'm a little too passionate about this. I'm realizing, okay, whoo, you just got to check my heart, all right? And it was awesome. But I was thinking about that, and I was like, you know, as funny as that is, how many other places in my life do I go to things and think that if I touch them, I'll be made well? That if I just get close enough to them, they'll heal me. Can I just say, there's only one person that has ever lived that when you touch the hem of their garment, you get healed. And that's Jesus. No other garment can heal us. The garment of Instagram, our status, our popularity, none of those garments can make us well. Jesus is the Holy One, and when you touch Him, you get whole. He, I've heard it said before, that he is on an un, he's on, sorry, he's on a clean mission for unclean people. I uh, remember in 2010, I had the privilege of getting to go out to Mongolia uh, to be a part of a mission trip. And part of our time there was to go out and share the gospel with, with different people. And one of the ways that we did that was by starting a basketball ministry. And it was our opportunity to be able to get to know some other guys and build a relationship with them. And then hopefully earn the opportunity to be heard. And we were uh, playing basketball and I did what you're not supposed to do. Okay, I was a terrible basketball player back then. Nothing has changed. And... <laughs> And I went up, uh, Emily, I would appreciate a lesson at some point, all right? And I went up to get a rebound. And as I was coming down, I landed on my right leg. And my right knee shifted right, left, and back out to the right. And the kneecap, the patella, had completely dislocated. I went down to the ground, and my knee was literally like a little snake. They came around me. They started praying for me. Uh, and nothing was happening. And eventually, I was like, hey, guys, 
I think I need to go to the hospital. All right, let, let's go to the hospital. Okay, here we go. So they load up me in a van and uh, we're driving by and the, the first clinic that we go by, they open up the doors and cigarette smoke comes pouring out of the hospital. And I looked at them and I said, is there anywhere else we can go? Please, just not this place. They said, sure, but it's an hour across the city. Well, Mongolian roads are terrible. Okay, so potholes, here I am all the way across the city as my dislocated knee is experiencing wonderful things. And so we pull up to the international clinic. We go in and they set me down on a stretcher and they leave me in this long hallway while the doctor and the missionaries begin to have a conversation about what they're going to do. And as I was sitting there, I began to just recall in my mind the different places that I'd seen Jesus heal people, the different places that I'd seen him be a restorer of others. And I just began to pray this simple prayer. I just said, Jesus, if this is your will, would you heal me? I don't feel like I have a ton of faith right now, but just Jesus, if this is your will, will you heal me? And this does not happen like every day for me, what I'm about to say, okay? But I'm sitting there and a light from the end of the hallway comes, stops right beside my bed. And I heard the Lord say, Ben, I love you. And as soon as that happened, my knee popped and the light vanished. And I'm sitting there, and I begin to unravel the bandages from my knee, and my patella has shifted completely back into place. And I just begin to cry. I just begin to come overwhelmed by the goodness of God. And in that moment, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't like, you know, way to go, Ben. You had such high faith, okay? I literally felt like I had the faith of the mustard seed that, that the scripture talks about. But can I just say, Jesus takes our mustard seed and he grows it and he multiplies it. He, he, he's a multiplier of our faith. And to this day, Jesus is a healer. Je, 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 <laughs> Jesus is a restorer, guys. And, and I just, I felt in my heart so deeply, if there's anything else from this message, I just felt in my heart that maybe there's some of us here this morning and we would say, We've been believing God for a long time for something. And I just felt like God was saying, today's a day of breakthrough. T today is a day where we can step in and we can go, Jesus, I've got a tiny little seed of faith. And Jesus goes, that's enough. I want to touch you. I want to meet you right where you're at. He's a healer. Last thing for us is this, the call of Jesus. I'm going to read a few final verses for us. Verse 12, it says, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. I want to highlight just a few words from these couple of verses. The first one is that word called. Turn to someone next to you and say, you're called. You're called. Jesus is calling you. One of my favorite things that Jamie does all the time is he sends people out into the different spheres and he says, there's a calling on your life wherever God has placed you. For our seniors, you guys are going into so many different avenues. There's a calling on your life. There's a calling on your life to make Jesus famous wherever you're going. But you know, I did a little word study on that word called and I came across something really interesting. The, the Jewish audience that would have been hearing Jesus and listening, when they heard Jesus say, I'm calling you, their ears would have perked up. They would have been leaning in 
to what Jesus was saying. Because what he was saying was completely subversive to their culture. Because in Jewish tradition, if you were from the ages of 6 to 10, you would go to Jerusalem and you would sit at the feet of a rabbi and then you would choose that rabbi to be your teacher. But the deal is, you would choose them. You would select them. So when Jesus steps in and he says, I'm calling you, he's flipping the script upside down. And he's saying, there's no rabbi like me. There's no teacher like me. I'm the rabbi above all rabbis. I have the authority to call. And I'm calling you. I'm inviting you. The second word or phrase I want to highlight is just that he appointed 12. And then it says that they might be with him. So he appointed them that they might be with him. Um, I was in Boy Scouts. Any Boy Scouts out there? Okay. Four. All right. Boy Scouts is not growing in popularity these days. All right. So when I was in Boy Scouts, one of the things that we did is that you would get appointed to something so that you could then go on to the next rank. So you had to tie a certain knot or you had to demonstrate a certain first aid skill. But as soon as you got appointed to do something, uh, you got appointed to a certain rank, there was then a long list of things that you had to do in order to get to the next rank. What's the point? That's not what Jesus is doing here. Jesus is calling these disciples. They're gathering close to him. They're coming in. They're leaning in. And the disciples are thinking, he's calling us. He's going to be our teacher. He's going to tell us all the things now that we have to do as a Jewish person. We have to memorize the Torah, uh, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, those first five books of the Bible. And Jesus steps in and he says, my first assignment to you is this. Be with me. Be with me. Spend time with me. Spend time cultivating intimacy with me, devotion to me, passion for me. Just be with me first. And that'll be enough. And then he says, go out and preach. Can I just say, before we start talking about going out and the call and all the wonderful things that are associated with, with missions and, and being focused on him, we need to learn to cultivate to just be with him. To sit at his feet like Mary did. Jesus is obsessed with you for you. He's not trying to get some outcome out of you. And I think sometimes in my life, I find myself spending way too much time working for Jesus instead of from Jesus. And when we start to understand that Jesus is more concerned about being with us than what we can produce for him, it's life-changing. He calls us to him first, to be with him, to be near to him. Last thing I want to say, and then we'll wrap up, is that Jesus called 12, all right? These were 12 average Joes. Uh, they had all different kinds of ailments. They, they were not the cream of the crop. Uh, and Jesus decided to use them. But as I was thinking about that number 12, I was thinking, you know, Jesus, 12? Like, couldn't you have selected like 120? I mean, literally, there's thousands gathered, and you decide to pick 12, what is it, Jesus, with your plan? Because the 21st century would say that bigger equals better. More people equals greater impact. And in one fail swoop, Jesus steps in and he says, I'm not looking to fascinate the masses. I'm looking to invest in a few people who just want to be near to me, who just want to be close to me. And I love that. 
Because I think Mark is trying to make a distinguishing factor here between us. I think he starts out by talking about the crowds and he finishes by talking about the disciples so that we can see the difference. Because the crowds were gathered there because of Jesus's popularity. But the disciples were gathered there because he was the son of God. The, the crowds were gathered there for the miracles, for the blessing that was taking place. But within the crowd, you found the disciples, those who wanted to be with him. Can I just say, I don't want to be a spectator. <laughs> I want to be in the middle of the game. I want to be in the middle of what Jesus is doing at TCU. I want to be in the middle of what Jesus is doing at Antioch Fort Worth. I want to be in the middle of what he's doing in our city, in the nation, in the nations. I want to be in the middle. The Masters was on this past weekend. I was watching the Masters and I was like, I cannot watch this and not go play golf. All right. Because I want to be in the game. I want to be in the middle of it. I want to be what is what Jesus is doing in our hearts and our lives here in front of us. And maybe for you in your own life, maybe there's a place where you just feel like you've been a spectator. Where Jesus is calling you and he's saying, I don't want you to stand on the outside anymore. I want you to be my disciple. I want you to draw near to me. I want to pull you close to me so then you can have an impact for me. Amen. I can invite our worship team to come up. And as we wrap up, I know that I've hit on a, a couple of different things here from our passage. We've talked about how Jesus has the name that is above every other name. How he is famous. There's no one famous like him. And that when we make it our ambition to make him famous, we get everything else that we need. And maybe there's a place in your life this morning where you would say, you know, I just need Jesus to be at the top of that thing in me, whatever it may be. In just a few moments, we're going to have some ministry leaders that are going to be lined up here uh, to pray for you. That, that second thing that I talked about, the healing power of Jesus, uh, I would guess in a crowd this size, there's some of us, we need to know again that Jesus is a restorer. Whether it's emotionally, mentally, physically, spiritually, whatever it may be, Jesus is a healer and he wants to touch you. He wants to heal you this morning. Or finally, maybe for you, you just need to be reminded in your own life that Jesus is calling you to himself before he's calling you to go and do anything else. That he's just drawing you close. So I'm going to invite our ministry leaders to, to come forward. If you guys could just line up here in front of the stage. We do this at the, we do this at the end of, uh, of every service. And it's just an opportunity for us to respond to what the Holy Spirit, to what the Lord is doing uh, in our hearts. Uh, these guys will be available to pray for you. I'm just going to invite the rest of you just to be standing right where you're at. I'm going to pray here. Lord Jesus, I thank you that there's no one famous like you. Thank you that you have the name that is above every other name. God, I'm asking right now just if there's anything in, your, in our hearts that we need to respond to as we've opened up your word, God, as we've drawn near to you. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just highlight those things to us. Just take a moment, you can just write where you're at, just ask the Lord, Lord, is there any way you're inviting me to respond? see what he may speak to you.